The Civil Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. Welcome to episode number 166 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. In this episode, which is the second episode in our Civil Engineering Entrepreneur Series, I'll be talking with Brian Smith, civil engineer and founding partner of Urban Design Partners, about growing a business in the civil engineering world, but specifically around investing and growing your people. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer who practiced as a civil engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineer Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers. I've also had the honor of authoring the American Society of Civil Engineers Careers and Leadership column for the past few years. So this series came about because it was something that we'd been planning for a while. We constantly get questions about how can I start my own civil engineering firm? And now that we have so many connections in the space, we're able to find some great founders that are going to come on the podcast over this 10-episode series. And I want to thank Big Time because Big Time came to the table. Brian Saunders reached out to me and said, you know, Anthony, we'd love to sponsor some kind of content like this. And so it really worked out that they were able to sponsor these episodes and, again, help to keep the Civil Engineering Podcast free for our listeners. So I want to take a moment here to recognize Big Time. Big Time is the industry-leading PSA software providing time tracking, billing, and project management for engineering firms with the goal of getting your business back to business. You can learn more about Big Time's PSA solution at bigtime.net. Big Time would also like to provide this tip to listeners about people development. Preventing client churn starts internally. If you invest in your employees, listen and provide the resources for them to be successful, you'll be more likely to keep them and see it pay off with your clients. Consistency is key to building trusting relationships. And we agree with that at EMI 100%. I also want to take a moment here before I introduce our guest to just mention a couple of our flagship training programs At EMI, we've been getting a lot of requests from professionals out there, and many of you have contacted us through the podcast, which is great. Our Engineering Management Accelerator series is a series of several courses focused around helping you develop your people skills and project management skills. We've got our Engineering Leadership Accelerator program that has two levels, level one for soon-to-be and new managers, level two for experienced managers, you know, focusing on communication skills, public speaking, networking, productivity, delegation, conflict resolution, really the skills that you and your team needs to succeed. We also have a project management accelerator program that works similar to the ELA program, weekly sessions over five to six weeks, focused around project management skills, scope, schedule, budget. And in fact, our guest today, he mentions in the episode that he has sent some of his employees through our PMA program. We also have our new Seller Doer Accelerator course, which is focused on business development skills. Again, the same idea, the same type of course laid out over five to six weeks really to help you be able to sell more as a civil engineering professional. So if you're interested in any of the EMA series, 
If you're an individual, you can enroll. If you are a company, you can purchase seats in the programs. Give us a call at 800-920-4007. That's 800-920-4007. Now I'd like to introduce our guest for this episode, Brian Smith. Brian is a founding partner and civil engineer at Urban Design Partners and directs the firm's day-to-day operations and manages the engineering studio. With a broad range of expertise in site engineering, Brian has a demonstrated ability to provide cost-effective solutions for development challenges using proven engineering principles and techniques. He is skilled at building project relationships with clients, consultants, and key members of agency review staff and is committed to providing exceptional quality control and assurance for every project. Brian is happily married with three beautiful girls who he follows to horse shows and softball games in his free time. He graduated from UNCC and is a proud member of the 49er Club. And he'll give you the backstory behind how he founded the company shortly as we jump into the episode here. So with that, let's dive into our Civil Engineering Conversation of the Week. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, so now I'd like to welcome on our guest to the podcast for today, Brian Smith. Brian is a founding partner and civil engineer at Urban Design Partners in Charlotte, North Carolina. Brian, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you, Anthony. Glad to be here. So, Brian, we're focusing this series, of course, on uh, entrepreneurs in the civil engineering world. You started the business. You were one of the founding partners in 2005, so it's been some time now. So, first of all, congratulations on that. I know how making it a few years can be a big win. You've been going for a while here. Talk to us a little bit about the backstory, You know what led you to starting the company, and kind of how the company has progressed over time. I started the firm back in 2005 with a friend and business partner, at the time another engineer. We had worked together at a larger design firm here in Charlotte, uh, started the firm just wanting to provide better service to clients. Uh, that was something that we really felt was there was a gap in the market. Part of professional services had been kind of dropped. So we really wanted to provide that to our clients. So we started back in 2005. We're very fortunate, was able to get a lot of work, you know, right from the beginning. We grew up through 2008, 2009, when the recession hit, struggled, you know, a lot of lean years for a few years, and then have had steady growth since 2010. So we're on a nice long ride now. Brian really mentions, I think, one of the key points to building any business, which is, you know, identifying kind of a need or a gap in the market and kind of filling that need, which is, in Brian's case, felt like there could be a little bit of a job in terms of delivering good service in the civil engineering field in in his area down in Charlotte, which is great. And obviously, it's worked out without, you know, the ups and downs, I think, that a lot of businesses will have to deal with, of course, especially as we've seen here in the last year or so. Talk a little bit about your role. I mean, I know you're a civil engineer by background. Obviously, when you grow a business, I think you probably start in the beginning doing everything and then things change as you go. Talk a little bit about your progression in the company and kind of what your key roles are today. It was uh, just the two of us and, you know, we did everything. I mean, we did uh, work, administrative stuff. I took over the accounting part of the business, which is something that I really didn't have any kind of background in but took over the financial aspect, ARs, APs, all of that, and really have just kind of over the last couple of years been transitioning more of that away from me. As we grew and then shrunk you know, down and then started to grow again, I was 
back into a lot of those administrative roles, which I'm now trying to get out of. It's been harder to get out of the second time around as we have grown. But obviously you, you go from being a, a technical and engineering mindset to more of running the business, administrative, managing the people, managing staff, managing clients to provide work for everybody. So roughly how many people is Urban right now? We're 21 people total in uh, three offices. This is obviously one of the big things that we don't learn in engineering school, which is you know managing people, interacting with people. In the position that you're in, it's really critical in terms of building a culture for a company, finding the right people. Talk a little bit about, first of all, I guess in general, in terms of the importance of people and how you handle that. I mean, I could see a lot of civil engineers out there that might be listening to this that are thinking of starting their own firm. And they're kind of like, I'm pretty good at the civil engineering side of things, but I'm not so great of like dealing with people, interacting with people, hiring. How does one go about learning those things? For me, it was really just a learn as you go. And my position before at a larger firm didn't have a lot of experience dealing with a large group of staff underneath me, worked with only one or two clients, and then moved into, you know, managing multiple people and multiple projects, multiple clients all at the same time. One thing I, I do think engineering schools are doing better now is the communication and collaboration part. We work closely with University of North Carolina and Charlotte and their senior design program and, and enjoy that. And I definitely see a change in the engineering education now versus when I got out of school at that, you know, at that same school 25 years ago. That's good to know the interaction with the schools. And if you're obviously a, a pretty local business, you're able to reach out to some schools and start some new programs of sure. Now, obviously, Brian, as a civil engineering company grows, there ultimately becomes more seats in the company. When you start a business, maybe it's you and your partner, you're doing the marketing, the business development, the engineering, all that stuff. Then as time goes on, you need to identify and kind of fill some of these different roles in the company. How do you assess who can do what or when you need to say, okay, now we need someone that actually is dedicated in this area? How does one decide that? The way we decided it was as we looked at the time being spent by our technical staff doing those roles and the time being spent and the value of those dollars not being and the time not being spent on billable work. Like the last position we brought on was a marketing person, a marketing director. And that was based on one, our desire to continue growing, but also we were spending a lot of time trying to figure out what to do, how to do it. So that's not what we were trained to do. So that's when we decided, okay, we need to bring somebody in here, hire somebody to come in and, and handle that role. The same with the financial. What we did there was as actually bringing a third-party bookkeeper and fractional CFO. So we don't have those in-house, but we use a third-party. But it was a process of continuing to identify at what time a role becomes large enough to get somebody else to do it, essentially. And it sounds to me like one of the key factors to be able to do that is the ability to measure things, whether it's measuring people's time and what they're working on. You know, you need to have some kind of metrics to be able to flag those things. Is that accurate? We review that, you know, those have evolved over time, but yeah, you're always constantly looking at how people are spending their time. I mean, that's, you know, we work in private development and it's time basis, dollars and times, dollars and time is money. Yeah, sure. No, time is money. I mean, that's fundamental. That's why I think a lot of engineers 
get an email from their manager saying, we got to get your bill of billing up, you know, next month. And, you know, you're always waiting to hear that. One last thing in regards to people and the development of people in your company. I mean, obviously at EMI, you know, we do a lot of training and a question that I always like to ask companies is how do you identify kind of who needs what types of training or, you know, do you have a process to kind of identify where on the career path people are so that you're making sure that people get skilled up? How does that look for you guys right now? One thing that we do is we do a quarterly review or quarterly sit down check-in with every staff member and then also an annual review with them. And we talk about what they want to do in their career. Where do they see their career path? Do they want to be more on the technical side or do they want to be more on the management side? And based on that, look to find areas, you know, if they want to go into management, find some project management courses we've used. We've sent several people to your class, project management class, and it's been very well. They've all enjoyed it, uh, have gained a lot of knowledge and skills that they, you know, then turned around and, and began using in the office. I'm really happy to hear you say that because a lot of the companies that I talk to are doing the annual performance reviews, but it's great to hear that you have quarterly sit downs as well, because I personally think a year is a really long time to kind of leave things up in the air like that. We do quarterly rocks here at EMI. We sit down every quarter and look at who's doing what. And I also like the fact, Brian, that you're asking them about what their interests are, what they're passionate about. Can we line you up with something that you, if you want to become a manager, we want to help you with that. That seems to make sure people stay engaged. Not everybody wants to be a, a project manager or manage people. It's, it's different skills. Some do want to do it, some don't. And those quarterly reviews and annual reviews are done with different people on our leadership team. So, you know, you get different feedback in all of them. So that we think that's a real good thing. All right. I want to hop over to another topic here. That's a, a topic I think that is one that a lot of engineers are familiar with, but I'm, you know, talk about a little bit more in terms of a business sense is when you grow a firm of any kind, especially in the civil engineering world, you're inevitably going to encounter problems along the way as an entrepreneur, really in any industry. So how do you as a company kind of identify a problem that arises? Like how is there, what is the process for saying, Hey, we got to really put some attention on this area of the company right now. Cause we're, we need some help there. We have a leadership team and we meet weekly. We use a, a process called EOS to run the business that really helps us flush out those areas. And one thing that we're going through now is defining our core processes and getting those documented and, you know, distributed to all staff members. So that really kind of brings out those pain points. They don't hide for too long. I'm happy to hear you say that because we use EOS at uh, EMI here too. And uh, I feel like it's a lifesaver and I feel like it's really good for engineers and that it's very structured and it allows us to be very structured, right? In building the business. It is very structured. You just have to stick with it. We've been doing it for a few years and I think every year we get a little better at it. Whether you use EOS or some kind of system, whatever it is, having something that allows you to be able to identify problems when they arise is really important because solving problems is a really important part of growing any business, quite frankly. What would you say are some of the challenges right now that you're facing in terms of the stage of your company that you're at and trying to grow it further? Probably the biggest you know, challenge right now is finding talented people. Uh, we're always 
looking for people. There seems to be a real shortage in the market of people right now, um, engineers and landscape architects, which we also have in the office, especially experienced ones, getting people to move, to change companies. It's, it's been, a real di- been a real problem, a real difficult struggle. Yeah, it seems right now, I mean, the civil engineering industry is pretty booming and it seems to me like it's going to be that way for a long time with infrastructure investment and investment in communities. And, you know, even with the pandemic, as as terrible as it's been in terms of, you know, health for a lot of people, when I talk to civil engineering companies, I haven't heard too much of a slowdown, which lends it to your point in that people aren't that slow and there aren't a lot of people out there, not just out there and available, but that are looking to move because, you know, they're busy and they've got good jobs. So I can certainly see how that can be challenging. And it it speaks a little bit, Brian, to what you talked about earlier, which is establishing good program for bringing in younger professionals and, and building them and growing them like with the university, having an intern program. I mean, I know there's always times where you need to hire maybe more experienced people, but a lot of civil engineering owners that I talk to have really put much more of an emphasis the last few years on hiring a good group of interns and spending a lot of time in growing them and cultivating them so that hopefully for the long term you have some good staff as they grow. But again, when you look to hire, I think, experienced professionals in civil engineering, it becomes very challenging to find the right person. That's really what you need if you're growing at a speed like a lot of civil engineering firms are growing. Yeah, we've been very fortunate and, and we participate in a lot of the career fairs at the universities around us. There's a lot of great programs around us and have been very fortunate at hiring, you know, new graduates coming out of school have got a great young staff, but right now we're really looking for some mid-level experienced engineers and they are hard to find and hard to recruit and, you know, get them interested in, in looking for a different opportunity. I like people who enjoy where they work, are satisfied where they work, but, you know, we just want to talk to them about different opportunity, what we offer versus what, they're, what they may have at their current position. To the point you made earlier, a lot of times people are working at a company because they got in there at a young age or whatever the case may be, and they may not be doing exactly what they want to be doing. They're sacrificing a little bit or compromising a little bit. And so, you know, in a good market, obviously, they have the ability to make a change if they'd like to and get into a a little bit more of a niche discipline they would have liked to be in. In terms of your business, you started in 2005. You had, you know, some ups and downs like a lot of small businesses do. Was there a point during growing the business where you kind of felt like, you know, I feel like we at a point where we're pretty good, meaning like we're going to make it through and we're not going to you know, have to worry about closing shop? Because I'm sure in those early years, you don't know everything is in flux. Did you get to a point where there was a size or a number of clients where you just said, you know, I feel pretty good about where we're at. We feel like we're going to make this thing work. I don't necessarily know where that number was, but, you know, after a few years, got feeling real comfortable and, and thought we were you know, definitely we were going to make it, you know, and then obviously the recession hit and that kind of shook us to the core. But then as we started growing again, after after working through that, and then as we started to grow again, I think I was new then that, hey, we were going to make it, you know, we seemed as bad as it can get at least. Would you say that that experience was helpful in terms of this last pandemic and how you talk to your staff and handle that? This time around, we didn't have to let any staff go. We really did not see any kind of slowdown during, you know, over the last year. And 2020 was another great year for us. But, you know, it definitely made us more comfortable dealing with issues with staff, bringing them up early, just letting, keeping them aware of what's going on. That's one thing we try to do. 
We talked about this offline a little bit, but it seems like you're really transparent with your people and you like to keep them kind of clued into what's going on, which I would assume for them is a great thing. We try to be very transparent with them, even to the point of we do weekly meetings at our all of our staff uh, every Monday morning. And then once a month, we have a longer meeting that we review financials with them. You know, So throughout the year, they know what our financial goals are and are we tracking to meet those goals? Are we not tracking to meet them? We try to be very open with them about both sides of the business. That's great. I mean, because especially in the world we live in today where there's so much lack of stability, you could say, for people to be able to be clued in at that level with their company and know that the people who are kind of running their companies, which in a lot of cases are leading them in their careers, more or less, you know, are giving them insights to where you're headed, where we're headed together, how we're on pace. Things are a little tough right now, but we got some new projects. We think we're going to make it. Here are our projections. That must make them feel really good and at least feel secure and, and confident that they're clued in. So that's all good stuff. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to come back in a minute and finish up by putting Brian on the civil engineering hot seat. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, we're back with Brian Smith. Again, Brian's founding partner and civil engineer at Urban Design Partners down in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're having a good conversation about you know building a business, scaling a business. But now, Brian, it's time to put you on the civil engineering hot seat. You ready? I'm ready. All right, Brian, are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, maybe you do something every morning or every day at lunch or something that you do consistently on a daily basis that contributes to your success. One thing uh, this year and, and the end of last year, I've been trying to build a better reading habit. And so when I get in the office first thing in the morning, I will spend a few minutes reading whatever book I may have at the time, maybe going through at the time. What is one book that you might recommend, whether it's to engineers or just a book that you maybe found to be helpful for yourself in your personal or professional development efforts that you kind of, one that stands out or a couple? One that I read um, because, you know, as we have staff and coaching them is Trillion Dollar Coach. And I cannot remember his name. I think it's Bill. And he coached a lot of the Silicon Valley CEOs and startups early on. It was a really good book. And he was a football coach and coaching all these tech CEOs and, and startups. It was a great book. Trillion Dollar Coach, the leadership playbook of Silicon Valley's Bill Campbell. I haven't had that one yet on the podcast yet. We've been a few hundred episodes in, so that's good. Thinking back, Brian, on some of your managers of the past, you know, maybe in your previous career opportunities or jobs that you had, not to name anybody specifically, but if you think about some of the managers that you've had in your career that were your favorite or that you really liked, what was the reason that you liked them? What were some of the qualities or traits that they had that you made you say, man, this, I like this person as a manager? I think humble and available are two of the big ones. You know, as I think back to some of the managers in the past that they were approachable, you know, I can talk to them anytime about anything. And that's something that I've tried to mirror now. That available one is one that comes up a lot in terms of on the podcast when I ask that question, just because a lot of times managers aren't available and that's a problem. I mean, people need you. They need you to be there for them. They need you to support them. And I think taking on that philosophy is a good one. And I could see why, you know, you kind of remember that about them. All right. We've got one final question for you, Brian, and we call it the critical civil engineering Career elevator advice question. If you got into an elevator with a civil engineer and you had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her 
and you had to give one piece of advice in that short period of time, what would your advice be? If it was a young engineer, even to a student, one thing I tell them to work on is their public speaking. In college, it's not something that we worked on as engineers very much. But as you get into practice, it's something that you have to do more and more and to be comfortable in front of a group. I tell people that all the time. And I've, it's funny, I go to a lot of colleges and universities and I'll speak for the engineering students. And a lot of them will tell me, yeah, I'm becoming an engineer because I don't like writing or speaking. I often tell them like, you better change your major. <laughs> You'll be writing reports and presenting them to people. So those are going to be two things that you have to do. And you're also presenting to people or non-technical people. So you have to be able to communicate ideas and designs to people on a non-technical level. Right. That's a really good point. Like, for example, planning board meetings, right? You got a planning board of people that aren't technically savvy, yet you're trying to explain to them why you're putting a stormwater detention basin in the middle of a property. They don't get it. And you have to be able to tell them that. And really what that does is that controls how quickly maybe your project gets approved. It controls how happy your client is and if you're going to get that client again. So there's a lot of repercussions that come out of being a good speaker as a civil engineering professional. Once again, Brian Smith, founding partner at Urban Design Partners. Thank you so much for spending some time with us here on the Civil Engineering Podcast. You can check out their website at urbandesignpartners.com. Thanks so much, Brian. Thank you, Anthony. So I hope you enjoyed this second episode in our Civil Engineering Entrepreneur Series. It's really a series that I'm enjoying because growing a company is something that I think is fun to do, but it's challenging as well. So we're trying to uncover some of the different challenges and obstacles for different civil engineering companies based on their sizes, right? Because it is different depending on the sizes. And you can listen to all the episodes in this series by going to civilengineeringentrepreneurs.com. You can also simply navigate to civilengineeringpodcast.com and look for episode number 166 for this episode. There you're going to find a summary of the key points that we've discussed here today, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. The Civil Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the hosts and guests, not their employers. For information on EMI's people and project management skills training programs for civil engineering professionals, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.